0: hey everyone and welcome to cheyenne hills podcast pastor galen and nathan winters are both out of town this week um so dr dick barry and i are he's our uh counselor here at cheyenne hills i'm casey Orr. i'm the video producer we're gonna fill in and uh, right now we're doing a series called living proof and that is all kind of was kind of built around this interview that pastor galen and i got to go do in a prison in torrington of a guy named brian noel whose story is fantastic his um the light in this man and the love of Jesus in him is so bright, uh, even though he's wearing these orange pajamas. Um, you know, it's the it's this almost poetic idea of a man who was imprisoned and yet fully free in Christ. And so, um, but what comes with that story are uh, suicide ideation of substance abuse, gun violence. There are all sorts of things. So we had gotten together to talk to Dick Berry. Who thank you for joining us? Yeah, glad to be here, Casey.
1: Glad <laughs> to be here.
0: Um, um, and so he and had some thoughts about it. And so we did a a video to run at the beginning of the service about kind of some some just really brief ideas of what to do if if these subjects really kind of hit home for you. And we decided that since we had the time, we'll make a two-part podcast about just that, about what how trauma how traumas show up in our lives to affect large and small traumas. Uh, I've had a counselor refer to them as big T and little T traumas um, because little T's can pile up and actually really affect your life and how you deal with the world around you. And we're going to base this around an article. And where did
1: you find this article? Casey, I'm not exactly sure how I came across it. Uh, I was just looking for something to deal to help people once they're triggered because I ended up sometimes in counseling sessions where You know, if I have like a parent and a child, the parent was really wanting to be a good parent. And the kid was saying, you're a terrible parent. (laughs) And the kid really wanted to be competent and make his own decisions. And the mom said, you're making terrible decisions. (laughs) And so what happened is they both got triggered. And in the session, I thought, oh, my goodness, what am I going to do? Uh, because they were both just really very hurt and upset and mm. angry. And so I was looking for something that said, okay, what am I supposed to do when I've got these people that are triggered? And that's, I think, it was one of those God things where I just ran across this article by Leon Seltzer on button pushing. Mm. Mm. Uh, and so I read it and I thought, oh, my gosh, this is exactly what I was looking for. And I now know what to do, particularly when people are triggered. I now have a solution for them. And I sort of chuckle because the solution is, Leon in his article says, the very best thing you can do when you are triggered is nothing. (laughs) Do nothing. And I thought, wait a minute, do nothing. How does that work? So what he ended up saying was, when you are triggered by some trauma from the past, and I want to talk about that more later, but when you're triggered uh you are really cranked up and you've been reminded of a situation in the past mm-hmm. where you weren't safe and so your brain goes uh oh alert alert mm-hmm. alert mm-hmm. and it cranks up all your systems to be ready to fight or flight yeah and so once you're that cranked up and once you feel so vulnerable it's real easy to want to do something to get that to make that go away yeah well, so you end up Punching somebody, hurting somebody, <laughs> running away, drinking. Do, and so Leon says that whatever you do when you're in that state, it's more likely going to cause things to get worse. Mm-hmm. So do nothing. Because the the automatic
0: response, and we have all heard that phrase of having your buttons pushed yeah. and pulling and the idea of being triggered. If you think about like a gun trigger mm-hmm. and yeah. what happens when you push a button, what happens when you pull a trigger, something happens that's automatic. Yeah. It is not. You know it is not different every time it is the same every time mm-hmm. if so if you have a button based on a memory that uh, where someone um, in authority made you feel small then the next time someone in authority might criticize you that would hit that button to negatively react uh, and maybe holler and maybe say something you otherwise wouldn't say or feel anger Um, What the thing I saw that I really liked with him was the fundamental understanding that thoughts lead to feelings and feelings lead to actions. And so that's the process where we're trying, where the, that's how the button works. The thought is associated with an event. And so the event triggers the thought, which triggers an emotion, which causes a reaction. And those are Uh, kind of a preset circuit, right? Yeah, they
1: are. And so people tend to go through that preset circuit several times, uh, repeating it and never figuring out a way or a way to move ahead so that they aren't triggered and so they can relax and move ahead in life and, you know, just be, not have to deal with such anxiety. Mm -hmm. So one of the things, Casey, that I end up trying to talk with people, there's really three components that I try to pay attention to. uh, The event itself and just have people identify the event. I was, you know, sexually abused as a child, or, you know, my dad ran over me with the car when I was eight, you know, or whatever it may have been, whatever the event is. So, and then the memory of the event is really important as well, Mm -hmm. because, um, that can be triggered by other memories that are similar to that. But the one that people often miss is the meaning of the event. So we have the event, the memory of the event, and the meaning of the event. The mm-hmm. meaning we associate with the event. Yeah, because we don't, as humans, we don't just say, oh, that was an event. Yeah. Uh, we attach meaning to it, and out of that meaning is how we respond. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my, my
0: dad yelled at me, but it's not because he was trying to protect me. I, I, you know, My meaning attached to uh, dad yelling at me was, that he didn't think much of me and that hurts my self-esteem yeah and 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 whether or not that was the intent that's if that's what you associate with it the next time you are involved in that kind of triggering event your thought is this person is trying to demean me or make me smaller, or make me feel less or something right
1: like and you end up feeling You go right back to that event, which Mm -hmm. then causes you to go back to that meaning. And without even thinking about it, the meaning that got attached was you were eight years old or something. Yeah. And so how much do you know when you're eight? Yeah, how much? Yeah, well, and so one of the interesting things that occurs is when you are triggered, I've heard so many people say, oh, man, it was just like I was eight all over again. Mm -hmm. I felt like there was nothing I could do. Uh, life was going to be terrible, and I was going to be hurt. Mm. And I go, "Oh my goodness!" Well, no wonder when you get triggered, it gets so scary.
0: One of the things that I've gotten to do that that makes me think of is um, I have some military history, and I got to do remind me what it's called again. EMDR. EMDR. Yeah. It's uh, basically uh, this trauma therapist with a stick with a white tip on it uh, did this thing. It's a uh, they've had they've learned some things. I won't get into it about about ways you can use eye movement to attach to memories. It's it's very strange, but when you have a traumatic event, the memories kind of get scattered, so it's hard to deal with that memory because you have to find the pieces. Anyway, we walked through this process, and she got me to the point where I was, I felt, the heat of the, of a night in Iraq, I felt the physical weight of the body armor and backpack on me. I felt the fear. I felt everything that I felt on that night on that traumatic event. It was as if my body was there, even though my mind knew I was sitting safely in a chair. And it was a surreal kind of experience mm-hmm. because basically it felt like like exactly what you're talking about, but in a controlled environment, in which case we kind of lifted the lid on the mechanism mm-hmm. and looked at the trigger and the feel when I was, you know, sitting there in the feeling, but I wasn't being triggered towards the reaction. And so we were, that was, that was one way we were able to, in a really, really
1: complicated way, And EMDR is, you know, is a research thing that does help people deal with trauma. And so it it seems a little strange to people sometimes (laughs) when they first start, but it has been helpful.
0: She pulled out the stick and I
1: was, okay, what's... (laughs) Where are we going with the stick?
0: But yeah, but uh, not necessarily to push push that, but the idea that um, I just have, I have experienced that moment that we could really take apart that mechanism and, Mm and the fact that these things we're going to talk about especially in this uh, the second part of this episode of the ways of really working with yourself on this is they they are effective because you know um, psychologists in the psychology community has discovered so much about the way our our brains work with these things
1: yeah right, good and, and and once you've identified the meaning that you've attached to it uh, you know in your case it ended up the meaning that you attached to your dad not being kind towards you mm. was that somehow you're not worthy, you're you're less than, yeah. uh, or that you're naughty somehow. Yeah, <laughs> and so those feelings and those uh, thoughts get transferred into our adult life. Yeah, and so when we are triggered, the event reminds us exactly where we were. Yeah, and it's Creates that meaning. And so whenever you start to act out of that meaning, when you come from that in any situation that your voice doesn't matter, that you don't understand things, that you are just not together, then that's the mindset that you respond from. Mm-hmm. And then it gets reinforced because you didn't do a very good job Yep, because you were in that mindset.
0: and And the more times you go through that process, you provided the message for a service a while ago where you talked about Um, If you think about a a drop of water going over a rock and if it follows the same path more than a couple of times, it'll start to make a groove. Um, The more times it occurs, um, the deeper groove that is and the harder it will be to, like you said, the more times that you repeat the um, thought, feeling, action process of this that we're talking about, the harder it will be to untrain it.
1: Yeah, and one of the interesting things that they've discovered about the brain, it changes through use. Mm-hmm. So when you stop the old pattern of "oh, I'm less than," and you put something new in, and that's where I think you have to really train yourself. Mm. Uh, you put a new message on the tape, and instead of playing the old message, you play the new message. Yeah. So
0: if there's if there is someone listening right now who feels like um, they may be in an old dog, new trick situation. Like there is the the brain, the brain is incredibly elastic mm-hmm. instrument that God has created. Um, and so this is something that if you're young, if you're middle age, if you're older, it doesn't matter it, it, how, how long you've been digging that trench or, uh, running this circuit. Um, it's, there's, it's, they're always reprogrammable. It just takes the, the longer you've been using it, the longer it takes to, or the more discipline it might take
1: to to over, to reroute that. Yeah, and, and that's certainly true, Casey. The other thing, though, that's sort of ironic, because mm-hmm. both of these are true at the same time, when I've talked with people and they've said, oh, wait a minute, that was the meaning I got attached, that I attached to that, mm-hmm. I can clearly see that's not right. Yeah. Because now with my adult coping skills, I can see that that was all I could have done. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that I was weak or cowardly or stupid and so once they can see that once that mindset changes once that perspective changes once the paradigm shifts yeah people can go oh yay I don't have to be that way anymore <laughs> once you can get that
0: uh, that overhead image once you see the schematic of where things were going and re- and see that that doesn't make sense yeah and so in that case, Conversely, age or or age experience, life experience, can put you in a a situation where it's easier to recognize, and maybe acknowledge the incorrectness of a of a of a thought process that you've had for for years. I know I wasn't until my until my late thirties that I did trauma therapy that really worked. Well, that's when I was when I was old enough to realize like I should probably go take care of this because twenty. 25 year old me thought, I'm fine. This is fine. I'm a soldier. I'm tough. I can handle this. Yeah. So, and that was one of the things that we, that I've I've looked at is you look back and you say, well, what could 25 year old Casey Orr have done in that situation that wasn't exactly what he did? Yeah. And giving that, giving that kid some slack has been one of the biggest. (laughs) Yeah.
1: And, and really talking with people about, okay, you were eight and you were getting beat up every night and locked in your closet. Mm hmm. What, what's an eight-year-old able to do about that? Yeah. And watching people go, okay, um, nothing. There wasn't anything I could have done. Oh, yeah. okay. Well, then what that means about you then is that you are not stupid, that you're not defective, that you are not a bad kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, it means that you had a parent that was abusive.
0: Yeah, and that you were... Too small at the time to do anything. Yeah, yeah. It was, there was physical, physical. There was real world limitations to to your ability to do things. So it feels like a lot of these things come from something that is untrue. Usually, yeah. is that right? Is yeah. that, it's mostly yeah. something that's untrue that we've. That we've associated with it.
1: And we believed it because there was no reason. I mean, I did the best I could at the time. Yeah. Uh, and so I ended up believing something about me, something about my identity. And that's that's one of the things that's really critical mm-hmm. is it's oftentimes connected with a person's identity. So if they can shift the way they look at themselves, life takes on whole new meanings. Yeah. Uh, And that's, it's really exciting because sometimes I can just sit and watch the transformation occur (laughs) right before my very eyes. You mean I am not bad? I am not a a terrible kid? Mm -hmm. No. And there was a Christian song not too long ago about Dear Younger Me. <laughs> uh, and then there's also a country music song by Brad Paisley. I'm writing a letter to me. Yeah. That's yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> I, I had not heard it. So I had to go find the lyrics. Yeah. Uh, but both of those songs say, as an older person, I want to go back and talk to that younger me. Yeah. And so having people write that letter to themselves, Dear Younger Me, you didn't know this. But yeah this is what I would like to have told you had I known Mm -hmm. it wasn't your fault. It wasn't your doing. Uh, You did the best you could. And so now you don't have to beat yourself up anymore for it.
0: Which is a much healthier version of another thing that I know a lot of people tend to do, myself included in previous time, was rumination, which is where you go back to those memories and you try to relive it from the point of view of that eight-year-old kid or of that 15-year-old kid or who, whatever, whenever that was that happened. And the, the article we read um, said a lot of it comes from earlier life because that's when we have these these times where the less experienced human that we are associates these maybe incorrect uh, um, perceptions.
1: But the meaning of it is really, really important. Yeah. Uh, and so sometimes when I ask people, uh, what does this mean? They they kind of they don't quite know what to say. <laughs> And so part of what I've really avoided doing was having them describe in any detail the event, Mm. because what that tends to do is re-traumatize them. (laughs) So what I say is just give me the general kind of, oh, you were hurt as a kid. Okay. Okay. Or you were sexually abused or your dad came home being drunk and burned the house down Yeah, you know, whatever it was, give me just kind of a global thing. And then let's talk about the meaning that got attached to it Yeah. Uh, because that tends to be less traumatizing for people to go back in and rehearse and relive every part of the event mm-hmm. typically doesn't help people Yeah. unless you can do it over time uh, with a different kind of an approach.
0: Because of the way they would experience that is from that same point of view, which doesn't give them that, um, that new perspective, which is needed to, to recognize the Like I said, the 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 wrong way that circuit those circuits got lined up. If you were inside the house, you can't see how bad the how badly the roof is thatched. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to be outside of it. Yeah, to be able to see it. Yeah, awesome. Well, um, we were looking at some of the ways in which these these kind of principles. We looked real hard uh, at at the Bible to find Mm -hmm. some to find some examples of biblical characters who went through things like this. There's, there's definitely plenty of trauma in the yeah. old, in the old Testament. And, and obviously the disciples, you know, watching, you know, their, their teacher, you know, be, be killed, had to be, be traumatic, but we were trying to find an example of someone who, who responded in these ways. And it was a little hard, right? Because God, it seems like God uh, definitely like chose people who could, who could overcome these kind of things, but but we do see lots of patterns. Like I, I just just stringed to mind and we wanted to keep this, but uh, the way um, um, Abraham kept telling people his wife was his sister because he kept thinking like every, even though he'd learned better, he was like, well, I'm worried because she's so pretty that they'll try to kill me me. to get her. And so I'll just say that she's my sister. And he did it more than once. And that's, I, that's the only example I can think about the top of my head of people of people repeating patterns of behavior that you
1: think they would have figured out the first time. Yeah. As we're sitting here th- and talking about this, Casey, one of the examples that came to mind is the disciples on on Friday, Saturday, and before Sunday, Oh, occurred, yeah. oh. Uh, they were going, okay, we gave our life to this guy and now he's dead. And what are we going to do? We just must go back and go back fish, to fishing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's all we can do and so that was their kind of perception and the meaning that they attached to it was we're done we yeah. wasted that time that's it yeah and then who yikes you know when you think about what occurred their their paradigm shift was he's alive yeah he's alive <laughs> and how that so changed their perspective yeah
0: well and that's an interesting analogy even in the fact that a traumatic event occurred and they returned to what they knew which was in their case being fishermen or otherwise, yeah. and when we experience traumatic things, sometimes we regress to what we know, which might be going back to that time as a kid where we learned to stand up for ourselves, or that yeah. that that old memory, that old uh, that old pattern that we that wasn't working before. But if we experience something hard like that, we can be tempted to go back, um, and that's one of the things in in Jesus that we learned is that is that that is not the end that with, with Jesus, like there is, there is no, there is no going back. Like if you were reborn, um, Brian Noel, the phrase he uses, he says, my old man is dead and I'm a new person now. Mm -hmm. Like I can't go back to that person. There is no going back to that person because Jesus made me a new one. And so, um, as much as they tried to go back, you know, as soon as he, as soon as he, they, they saw that he was risen, you know, can't go back. You can't go back.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So one of the other frustrating things, uh, in contrast, you can't go back. When when people are triggered, their adult coping skills are missing in action. They are just (laughs) gone. They can't find them. They can't see them, which then really adds to the horrific feeling of, oh, my gosh, I'm in danger. Something bad is going to happen, and I have no skills at all to do anything about it. And then when your, your brain does its job, which I think, Casey, is just really cool the way God de- designed us, when, when your brain goes, okay, something is wrong, oh, it's tied in with an old memory, mm-hmm. uh-huh, okay, I'm in danger, and it, it rallies the troops, it prepares you, it throws adrenaline and all kinds of chemicals into your bloodstream yeah. so that if a danger occurs, you're ready to go. Well, that freaks you out even more because <laughs> you think, oh my gosh, now I'm really cranked up. And so that's why the very best thing, I mean, you can do is do nothing, but, but what happens is you've got all this energy and you've got all this vulnerability and you've got all this scary. And so it's easy to want to go do something about it. Yeah.
0: Um, and that's, don't, a, yeah, don't. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the key here. And, um, one of the things that made me go back to is the way you're describing it is, is Peter, um, at the, uh, is it, just Peter's denials. When Peter is what had he just had his, one of his best friends um, who'd been with him the whole time, betray them. And he's watching his savior who he's seen bring people back from the dead, just stand there and let these Pharisees like railroad him into this bad direction. And in that time, even though he's been a disciple of, he's walked with Jesus for years. He has to have picked up so much enlightenment and understanding of of God and justice and 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 how and the power that he's been walking alongside. But when this traumatic thing is happening, and and someone comes up and says, "Aren't you with him?" He's the fi- he's just that little fisherman again, and he says, "No, I, yeah. I no, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not with him." Um, and then later, Jesus has a time, to chance to redeem that, and maybe goes through a little bit of therapy when with him when he yeah. that comes back and the three times says, you know, um, Peter, do you love me? Okay, well then, tend to my flock. Peter, yeah. do you love me? Then feed my sheep. Um, that's probably the wrong order, but so he gives him that chance, and and I like to assume that Peter looked at that and re, and like recognized that, and so the next time, you know, when we get into the Book of Acts, Peter Peter doesn't act like a fisherman anymore. Peter is grown up. Um, he's, he's been able to use those grown up, uh, walked with Jesus skills that we all have. If we, if, you know, as we, um, grow in our faith and get into the word and stuff like that, we are all armored with that stuff. Um, that, yeah, he, he was a different person, but you know, he had that slip up even yeah. walking with Jesus. You can have that moment of regression, but yeah. just like him, you can, you can reteach yourself how to go through that process. And that's in this next one. Uh, in this next episode, we'll go over some of these different ways that uh, uh, Leon and uh, Dr. Barry have for people to um to do that. So we encourage everybody listening um as always, get in your Bibles, look at look at things like that. um but if you want to spend the, spend some time thinking about thinking about e- even the small the small tea traumas, the the way you react if someone cuts in front of you in the line in the grocery store, the way. Uh, you react to some of these other maybe these small things that maybe can damage our relationships with because of the way you react. Uh, what are some ways that you maybe wish you could find a new way to react to things um, that you'd like to look at? And then come back and join us next week, and we'll talk all about how we can, how you can even just just yourself with some practice, kind of work on re reworking these buttons and what they what they actually trigger.